This is Stephen Reed. This is Andy Collins. And you're listening to the For the Law podcast. Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 30th of July for our second part of the episode. Actually, we're going to be running the initial episode that we ran and then we're going to run this one a couple of days later. And we've got, of course, Joe, same as usual, back. And we got Vince because Vince came back because this is going to be that awesome an episode. So, Vince, it is nice to have you back, man. It's great to be back, especially for, for something this. Uh, I've been looking forward to like this. No kidding. Now, we have been talking about this game for a little bit now, and ever since, especially San Diego Con- Comic-Con, we've been hearing a lot more about it. We're going to be talking about it constantly until it is released, and that is Marvel Heroes. So what we've got with us today are two of the gentlemen who are working on that game. We've got Stephen Reed, who is the Director of Community and Customer Services, and Andy Collins, who's the Lead Story Designer, both of them from gazillion so boys welcome to the show thanks for having us no 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 we're very happy to have you guys here and to grill you because there's a lot of stuff that not just us but our fans want to know and see vince and i also do a comic book podcast and uh, joe would like to be on it but we won't let him but we're all comic book fans so when you're looking at a game like this and we're looking at the pedigree that's involved with it dear lord we're excited so uh before we get started to hear Oh, yeah. Why don't you both give us an idea of what you've been doing with Marvel Heroes and what you are currently doing? What's your job duties and everything? Uh, so I've been, I have a kind of a strange history with Gazillion as a company. I was, I was here uh, 2009 to 2010, um, and then uh, I left for a bit, and uh, I'm back again. So the strange thing is for me is that when I was here the first time around, Heroes was in relatively early stages, and um, we were talking about launch strategy and, and all kinds of long-term planning. Um, and then I remember when I left, uh, we essentially had like one or two heroes running around in like a sort of very basic map environment. And then I came back a year and a half later (laughs) and these guys have almost, uh, maybe not almost finished, but they've come a long way and now there's like a sort of fully functioning game there. So it's kind of like Rip Van Winkle. My, my primary job is, uh, is community and, uh, customer service or customer support. Um, uh, and, and at this point we're really just kind of getting the word out about the game and, and getting people excited about it and trying to build a, you know, our community around it. So that's kind of what I'm doing on a day-to-day. Okay, and Andy? Uh, I joined the company just under two years ago uh, when they were starting to ramp up and, and fill out from the skeleton staff that they had getting the game started into a real uh, development team. Uh, and I came aboard to help build the overall story of the game uh, as well as all of the in-game dialogue, whether the whether that's uh, voice dialogue or text dialogue. So I've been working with uh, Marvel writer Brian Michael Bendis, 
on building the story and our motion comic cutscenes, and then working with a team of freelance writers to craft all the individual dialogue for the game. How big is your writing staff? Uh, I have, I think there's around 10 or 12 different people that I've had working on text at various points, and I would guess about half of those guys have handled about three quarters of it. I have a, a core group of uh, four to six guys, uh, most of whom I've worked with in the past on other games, and all of whom have impeccable uh, credits, whether uh, writing, writing for games, writing for Marvel games, or all of the above. Nice, nice. Now, one of the reasons that we're really excited for Marvel Heroes, there, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them as well is quite obviously because David Brevik is involved in this. Now, for those who don't know, David is president of Gazillion right now, but he was also a co-founder of Blizzard North, which brought us, among other things, the Diablo series, which we're all such big fans. And we can see that influence when we're looking at Marvel Heroes, uh, and it really makes us excited for that. Like, is is that something that you guys are really pushing a lot, Stephen? Are you trying to get people excited because it has that same kind of addictive feel that the Diablo series brought? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the kind of shorthand that we've been kicking around the office here is like um, Diablo meets Marvel on steroids. Right. Um, you know, it, it, we, we don't even really um, try and hide it. You know, with David being um, one of the, the co-creators of the Diablo series and really kind of having invented that modern action RPG uh, genre, we'd be kind of crazy not to, you know, empty his brain and, and use all of that knowledge. Um, so he's he's really excited about getting to do that again. And he's, he's mentioned a few times that um, he's trying to pull in um, some elements into this game, which he didn't get a chance to do on a, a let's say, an alternate Diablo 3. Um, he only did work on Diablo 1 and 2, but some of the ideas that he had for a potential sequel to Diablo 2, um, he's really been pulling into into this game and, and sees it as a, a natural continuation of, of, um, of that series. Um, and we definitely are looking at... Um, those uh, first two Diablo games for some of the key and, and core gameplay components. Um, you know, uh, the loot drops and, and randomized loot drops being uh, a classic one. Um, and then uh, random generation of, um, of our zones as well, um, which is something that it, it, we think is really unique to the MMO uh, genre as a whole. Um, so, yeah, that kind of stuff is, is definitely, you know, foremost in our minds. And then blindingly obviously but it, it pays to uh, remind people that yeah it's played from an isometric perspective um you can zoom the camera in as far as you want although most people tend to play in a slightly wider view because it's easier to run around the world that way well it's a fantastic pedigree to to, to be referring to as well and quite frankly it's better to ref be referring only to the first two anyway so <laughs> <laughs> that's good now because it's going to be free to play as well I mean, the company needs to be making money, and, and see, that's where I'm, I'm hoping that it's not going to fall into the same trap that D3 has had with the paid auction house kind of thing, which effectively kills the entire point of a gear-grinding game. Like, what are some of the earnings plan kind of strategies that you do have for Marvel Heroes? It's a little bit early to say, but I'm not, I'm not saying that because we're hiding some real money auction house kind of... Um, you better not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do. We do have to make money somehow, and I will say that we're not planning to, you know, stuff the game full of adverts or, um, you know, make everything sponsored by Pepsi. Um, but uh, yeah, we have some. We have some ideas, and 
Um, I don't think they're going to surprise that many people, but it's, it's a little early for us to talk about them in too much detail. Well, um, you can also base some of what you would like to do off of what we're seeing, say, from DC Universe Online as well, which are doing... You can pay for some memberships, but they also have it where you can pay for some of the patches that come out. And then you feel like you're actually getting something really worthwhile for the few bucks that you're spending, too. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've obviously got experience in that uh, Superhero Squad Online is, is free to play um, and launched last year. So um, you'll probably see some crossover in terms of what we're... we're uh, um, charging for between you know the two games and i don't mean that as in one thing appears in one game or the other game i just mean you'll probably see similar sort of um similar sort of stuff there um but i mean this is kind of what you know testing is for and large-scale testing is for and figuring out what people are interested in in paying for is an important part of that yeah. i mean one thing that we have said um since we sort of took the wrapper off this thing properly um is that you will be able to play the entire game end to end for free um, which is um, really an important thing to realize. Now, you know, we certainly think that there will be stuff in the game that you'll want to pay for, but, um, you know, for someone who just wants to get in there and have that experience, um, you know, they'll be able to do that, uh, which is a really important part of the, of the free-to-play genre, right, is that you need to support, quite frankly, uh, you know, a lot of people for it for free, um, you know, to uh, allow that to be a really healthy player population in the game. But then on the flip side of that, too, you have the players like like us, which I know we all fit that bill, wherein if I am getting to play a free-to-play game and it's not being limited so much where you almost have to pay for certain things. I'm willing I, to give money. I'm so willing to give you money. It's like, yes, you are doing a fantastic job. Here, I'll give you some money. We've talked about that as well with the upcoming uh, Guild Wars 2 that it's going to be doing again. Again, same as Guild Wars 1, it's going to be free to play, but they will have a shop for different things and all that. And it'll be like, yeah, for sure, take my money. So I'm, I, I, it can work. I think we'll give you plenty of opportunities to hand over uh, your money to us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll we, take your money we, if you have money. We, we do want people to be excited by that yeah. prospect rather yeah. than feel dinged by it. This is not right. a nickel and dime experience. This is hey, I want to pay money for that thing. That is worth it. That will make my character more interesting, different, look cool, what have you. Uh, there are lots and lots of great experiments that other companies have been doing for us out there, and, <laughs> yeah. and we're learning from those. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not the first one into the uh, into the into the market, right? So we, we can learn from a lot of other people. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think a, a primary thing for me and a lot of other people here is that, you know, we really feel that we're we're striving to make, um, and I know this is an overused term, but you know, a really high quality, dare I say it, triple A game. Um, you know, we want to have that production value that you would expect from a high quality game that you would pay money for. Um, it was actually pretty gratifying for us to take the game to um, San Diego Comic Con, and, and I would do the demo with a lot of people. And as soon as you sit down, you know, I would say like, so this is Marvel Heroes. It's a free to play action RPG from Gazillion Entertainment, and, and we're working with Marvel and blah 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 blah. But people aren't really listening to what you're saying. But about 10 minutes after they started playing and they've kind of, you know, got over the initial, you know, shininess of it, they would usually turn to me and say, so how much is this going to cost? And I go, oh, you might have missed me earlier on, but it's actually going to be free to play. And then they go, free. And then they'd be like, so how do you mean free? And then you go, it's going to be free to download and free to play. And then their eyes usually kind of, you know, bulged <laughs> out of their head. Um, and I think that's a great sign because it means that, you know, we've done our job in terms of making the quality of the game impressive, you know. Oh, excuse me, that would be my phone. And, uh, wow, that's Marvel Studios on the ride. <laughs> Take it on speaker. Apparently they said something we should say. Yeah, exactly. They've, they've, uh, they got radars. Gonna... <laughs> I don't even know. I can, I can put them on hold. Uh, this is staying in. 
they have they have to call me back. Like I can't I can't hang up on <laughs> Steven you know. is so new he doesn't know how to operate. I don't know how to operate. I don't even have a desk phone. So. Joe Casada's on the other end. That little bastard hung up on me. <laughs> No, if, it's, if it's Marvel Studios, it's it's not Joe Quesada, but I don't know. It could be you know Kevin Feige, uh, so you know, maybe I should hang up. Uh, anyway, sorry. There you go. That's Marvel Studios calls in the middle of my podcast. That's <laughs> so now talking back to the SDCC, the San Diego Comic Con, uh, we we heard a lot of player interaction or pl- player reactions to seeing the game. But what did you take away from that? Like, what did you learn from having people actually sit down? and get to have a hands-on with it. Like, What did you take away from that experience? Uh, there are two kinds of takeaways from a uh, convention demo. Uh, the large-scale takeaway is the energy that people who are newly exposed to the game give you. Uh, it can be a bit of a slog working on a game day in, day out, seeing all the bugs, seeing how far you have to go, uh, and that becomes your focus is, is what you haven't done yet rather than what you have done. Showing off uh, a polished demo like we do it did at San Diego, and having hundreds of people walk away with giant saucer-sized eyes, uh, just revitalizes us and gets us energized to come back and, and pour that energy back into finishing the game. So that's a that's sort of a large-scale takeaway. Small-scale takeaways: watching people play the game for the first time and seeing what's working for them and not working for them on a small level, whether that's user interface or how, how powers work, how characters move around the screen, that's super useful as well because you can't get that experience inside a studio. Uh, I mean, somebody can play test the game for the first time only once and then it's, they're never going to have that experience again. So seeing what those rough edges were that we couldn't find in-house is super, super useful. Uh, I mean, that's part of playtesting, but when you get truly open public playtesting in an area filled with as many distractions as San Diego does, uh, then that, that's a, a real amazing view of how well does the game hold up. Yeah, it, it was. There's always there's always unique uh, environmental stuff that plays into it as well. Um, like for example, we were playing the game on 37 uh, inch, I think, Samsung TVs. Um, and we immediately found that the, uh, I guess the pixel density or whatever, what you would call it on the monitors, it, 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 while the game looks great when you sit and watch, uh, look at it on your desktop from like, uh, 20 inches away or whatever, um, we found that the text that we had in the game was a little hard to read on those monitors. So that was something that we quickly came back and like, we have to adjust that text to make it bigger to read, you know, even though we have voiceover and stuff, but, uh, it was, um, it was something that you know you could only see when you get into that environment. And then the other funny thing was that we, you guys, spent a lot of time cutting that demo down, like getting it to be shorter and shorter because we needed it to be. We want as many people to play it as we can. So I would I would say to people when I was demoing, I said you're probably playing around. We estimate three to four hours of gameplay here in in ten minutes flat because it was like you start at the uh, Xavier Mansion and then you end up fighting Magneto as a boss, and that's a much much larger slice of gameplay. Um, you know that we that we compressed, but even and then we were kind of seeing where people were getting hung up and where they were going in the wrong direction and when they wanted to explore the mansion when we were like, no, go down to the basement. Professor X has a mission for you. You know, there's, So there's all of no, that stuff. No, absolutely no substitute for fresh eyes on a project like this. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. You, you can never get enough of them. Yeah, so we came back with a fairly large, you know, refinement list. So, uh, you know, that's certainly going into the game itself. 
See, one thing we noticed at Comic-Con this year was there actually wasn't a lot of games on display. So did that somewhat lack of competition kind of cause a difference in how people perceived Marvel Heroes, perhaps? Well, you, you, it, it, one of the things about Comic-Con is so huge that, you know, practically covers half the surface of the Earth. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, when, when you're standing at one end of the convention hall, you know, you can't even see the other end, you know. Um, and, and games, because of the way that San Diego runs, um, have kind of been ghettoized into the, uh, the very far corner of the, of the show floor. So you, if you go all the way up to the back next to Artist Alley, you'll find like EA and, and uh, Activision and Capcom and similar who are all up there. Um, but because of the relationship we have with Marvel, we managed to sort of get um, space on their, on their booth there. But there was actually two... We got to cheat. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Skip the line and get to the, get to the front. Play the system. So, so there, there was a couple there, but I mean, uh, you know, the truth is, is that there's so many things at San Diego, and, and it's now such a celebration of pop culture as a whole, rather than even just comics specifically, that you've, you're competing with a million and one different things, um, you know, in terms of people's attention. I think one of the best things for us, because um, I've had the situation before at shows uh, for other products, is that people came up and immediately identified it as a game. You know, no one thought that we were showing a movie or like um, some sort of television show or something, which I've had before when you've got heavy CG, you know, based uh, based games. Yeah, the, the fact is that the game industry isn't just competing with the game industry anymore. And, and if they ever were, uh, that's something that I've definitely learned over the years is, you know, it's it's all well and good to talk about, oh, yeah, you know, there weren't many other games competing for for attention of our potential players there. But there were movies and books and comics and TV shows and cartoons and anime and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all of which are competing for our attention because really what it comes down to for us is, is time, right? We're a free-to-play game, so we want your time first. Yep. You've got to make that time commitment before you can decide whether you're going to make the dollar commitment. If we can't get you to make the time commitment, then we're screwed. Right, and in order for us to convince you to make that time commitment, we have to give you something that looks really amazing before you even click the mouse for the first turn, mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. Not to mention for the first five minutes, ten minutes, sixty minutes. Yeah. Talking about looking for the future, you obviously are, are, are going to be looking at the the long scale, the long term type of things. Uh, is this a type of game where we can expect to see DLC like expansions or episodic content? Uh, maybe that elaborates on different stories for the characters. We haven't really talked about post-launch stuff yet. Um, I will say that we do have plans. Um, exactly what shape they take, we haven't really finalized yet. It's one of those things, again, that we'll, we'll be determining a bit post-launch, and, and it'll be partially dependent on what we see the players doing and what they want. Um, but, you know, Marvel wouldn't be um, what it is without them being open to us adding on and expanding things post-launch. You know, and I mean, a really obvious thing that we've said, and, and I'll say again, is that we will be adding many more characters um, post-launch to the game. You know, we have a list that goes on well, pretty much forever um, of, uh, of additional characters that we want to add in. And even the initial launch lineup, we want it to be um, really large. Um, and uh, we want to include, you know, slightly more obscure characters as well as the, the better known ones as well. Luckily, we have what so far? We have Black Panther, Black Widow, Cable, Captain America, Colossus. Cyclops, Deadpool, Emma Frost, Hawkeye, Hulk, Human Torch, Iron Man, Miss Marvel, Rocket Raccoon, yes, Scarlet Witch, <laughs> Spider Man, Storm, Thing, Thor, and Wolverine. How long till we get a How long till we get a new one? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> that's not enough. <laughs> we did, you know, we gave you two during Comic Con. It'll be a little longer before we give you another one. We're actually, we, we were literally talking about that today. Uh, I mean, one one of my jobs is to to sort of manage this pace of character reveals, um, and uh, also to kind of you know get people really psyched about the next thing we reveal. So, I'm I'm plotting on a few of those things to, to kind of give our next big reveal a bit more punch. So it might take a little longer to, to happen, but um, it's, it's going to happen uh, eventually, for sure. How much of an impact does the Marvel movies make in terms of those reveals and things like that? I mean, with the recent announcement of the Guardians of the Galaxy being official now, and now all of a sudden we heard about Rocket Raccoon for Marvel oh, Heroes. Total coincidence. 100% <laughs> coincidence. Yeah, that wasn't planned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that... Certainly those sorts of things can have an effect on our timing. Uh, right? Marvel is a big fan of uh, marketing their upcoming films, uh, and we love to take advantage of, of that of course. Uh, free publicity. It, I mean, it, it, to be fair, in this case, that one was kind of coincidental <laughs> in the sense that he was, he was already planned to be in the game. Yeah. Um, we wanted to put Rocket Raccoon in for, uh, I guess, probably still, you know, pretty, pretty early on in the selection process, but... Um, uh, but then when we knew, we found, you know, this is the, I've, I've joked to people, this is the best and worst part of the job, you know, and you, you've been more exposed to this than I have. Like the, the best part of the job is finding out stuff about what Marvel is planning before other people. Uh, the worst part of the job is finding out what Marvel is planning before other people. So, I mean, I knew about Guardians of the Galaxy a couple of weeks before the Comic-Con announcement, which was... <laughs> a couple which was, of weeks? Yeah, I'm sure you were a lot earlier. <laughs> did, did you end up going down to the uh, to read the script? For... Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that I have read the script for Iron Man 3. <laughs> so now Andy is completely spoiled and doesn't get to see the movie with fresh eyes. Yeah, as long as I'm working here, I will never be surprised yeah. by a Marvel You know, I'd be okay with that trade-off, though. I don't know, you know, there's this like, you know, there's a, there's something to be said for going in fresh to the to the movies. Let, let's just say I'm glad that I didn't get Avengers spoiled for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, Rocket Raccoon was kind of coincidental in that he was planned to be in the game anyway. But when we knew that they were announcing the movie at Comic-Con, I was like, well, that's when we should announce that we have Perfect timing. Yeah. Okay, so when we're looking at, uh, again, the comparison to Diablo, of course, and how, like, yeah, there's a great story to it, but it is still effectively a gear-grinding game, same as, like, the Torchlight series. Is Marvel Heroes going to be that same kind of thing, or is it going to have a strong story behind it that's going to be at the heart of the game? We'd like to do both. Uh, we feel that we've got a, a pretty compelling story that draws upon what now, 50 years of Marvel lore, uh, you know, weaving in and out of, of various, uh, various old comic stories, riffing on, on old classics. But at the same time, we are an action RPG, and at the heart of that uh, is, uh, is the exciting RPG loop uh, of uh, Mouse clicking. Fight, fight enemies, <laughs> gather exciting loot, to make your character more powerful to fight even tougher enemies. Kill bad guys, take this stuff. Yeah, it's... We're not killing. Oh, sorry. Defeat bad guys. Knock them out, right? Knock yes, them out. Yes. exactly. We're defeating. Yeah. Uh, that's really a, a hard thing to drum into the minds of some of the people who have been playing a little too much Diablo. <laughs> All right, so... And then when you kill Magneto... No, don't kill Magneto. That's true. Uh, so uh, we, we believe that we've got a, a pretty strong uh, combination of both. There will be people who gravitate toward one end of the spectrum or the other, and I believe they will find something that, that suits their needs uh, and is exciting and fun. 
You had mentioned before that the mission you were showing off started off in the Xavier Mansion. Is that something that's going to depend on, say, the character you choose, how that's going to maybe decide your starting area for the game? I've ha- I've had this question a few times ahead of it to Comic Con. As far as I know, the answer is no right now. I, I can answer the question. The que- question yeah, is whether I, think... I can answer the question. Yeah, 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 um, yeah to a certain degree. <laughs> we've, we'd like you to... Uh, we don't believe that you need to start in different areas depending on who your character is. We want you to be experiencing fundamentally the same game that everybody else is uh, and to be interacting with other players as soon as possible. Uh, we That said, we do have... Uh, a, a variety of places like that to go to that we have planned. I, I think it's fair to say that you know, if you think of the game in terms of comics, we're like, and and this is not in any way allusion to the plot. I just want to point that out. But you know, we're like your team up book, right? We're like Secret Wars or Civil War or something where there is some some giant event that pulls a lot of heroes together. Um, we're not like an issue of Spider Man, you know, like you know where you start off in Spider Man's apartment and then leave and and you know and so on and so forth. Um, you know, there is a reason for all the heroes to get together and they will all be getting together in the same, you know, locations. Now, um, we're planning to have more than one kind of uh, what we call these hub locations, um, which should be iconic, you know, Marvel-style locations that you'll be able to gather in and then hang out and form groups and do the kind of stuff you'd expect to do in a town. Um, but, yeah, I think, that, that, you know, the, the trouble is, is, again, it's the scale thing, right? Like, I mean, I suppose in theory, you know, you could start, when you when you start a Spider-Man, you could spawn into your own personal instance, which is this tiny apartment with, you know, um, a, a costume drying over the line or something, and then you could you could leave and then go somewhere else into New York City. But, but we sort of felt it's better to throw you into that environment where there's a lot of other players hanging around, and you get that immediate feeling of, like, I'm in an online social environment as opposed to, you know, I am Spider-Man on my own, you know? Are there going to be any kind of quests, though, and again, feel free to say whether or not you can answer this or not, but any quests wherein, depending on who you are, there will be slight differences in how it plays out? We've talked about that as a possibility. We don't have anything like that planned right away, uh, because that it's a pretty massive... Oh, yeah, it's a logistical nightmare. All right, I mean, particularly as... Because what that also does is that puts pressure on us to keep the number of characters down, and that's bad. Right. right? We'd much rather spend that time to get three more characters in the game than to make everybody's experience 2% different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, because we're talking about dozens of characters here, not like five. Yeah. If you have five different guys, or maybe 10 different guys, you can imagine sort of personalized quests, but. When you're talking dozens of characters and more coming out on a constant basis, uh, that, that scales really badly, really fast. But in terms of that, though, because people are going to be able to play as a variety of different heroes, have you thought about it in terms of offering certain missions or even like dailies or challenge quests or however you're going to word it, specifically for certain uh, characters. So you've unlocked Spider-Man. Everybody's damn near everybody's got Spider-Man kind of thing. If you want to do this mission here, you're doing it as Spider-Man, and it's how he integrates into the story. We've certainly talked about doing uh, character-specific quests. It's not something that is super high on our list, but uh, it has come up a few times, and you know, time will tell whether that's something that can get uh, get the attention that it really deserves. Because 
something like that you don't want to do halfway. You want to do it right and, and give it a real feeling. One thing we have done with character specialization, though, is the interactions, the voice interactions that you may have with uh, other characters in the game will vary. Villains will say different things oh, cool. to Spider-Man than they will to the Hulk. Uh, you know, if, if you're... If you're Wolverine fighting Magneto, you can bet that he's got a very specific line that he will give to you that he won't say to anybody else in the game. Uh, so that we, we felt that was a good way to remind you, oh yeah, I'm playing a very specific person. I'm not just playing generic Marvel hero number six. Yeah, well, you are doing then that what we were asking as well. That is That does make it much more personal to you. You can relate to it more, and it, it sucks you in as well. Yeah, and, and encourage you to say, hey... I wonder what Magneto would say to Cyclops. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no. Bad things. That's what I would say to Cyclops. <laughs> 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 They're best now. <laughs> yeah, now the, the individual quips like that are a really nice touch, but back to the major story in general, we've seen a lot of, of games of this type really struggle with just presenting the story. Uh, how are your how do you plan to do that differently than what's been done before? We present story in a variety of ways. I think the, the approach that we're trying to take is that there's no one, uh, m no one medium that is going to give everything that you need. Uh, so we have uh, motion comics that we're using uh, as our, our cutscenes. Uh, we show one of those uh, at San Diego where the character getting a new mission got a little briefing from Professor Xavier. So fully voiced... Uh, motion comic animation uh, that that showed these are the horrible things going on in Mutant Town. You need to go and, and stop them. Uh, so that we feel is one of our more immersive tools uh, in, in that we can show the world, show places maybe that you wouldn't be able to go or see in the game, use character voices, uh, things like that. We've also got uh, a lot of uh, just general uh, voice dialogue in the game for interactions with characters. Uh, those will help immerse you in the world and, and help further the story. And then, of course, we'll be using uh, text to convey story elements because it's super, super flexible. Uh, the, the advantage the text has over voice is that you can continue to hone it uh, you know, right up pretty much until you ship. Whereas if we had had to do everything voiced or through cutscenes, we would have had to be done with everything much, much earlier, uh, and therefore not be able to be as flexible and responsive to playtest feedback. Now, the motion comics seem like a very interesting uh, sort of piece there. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Like, what type of uh, event is it for maybe somebody that hasn't seen it? Is it like a small motion movie, or is it something similar to like how the Marvel comic apps moves from like panel to panel in an animated way? It's, it's not a panel-to-panel -panel approach. It's, it's somewhere between reading a comic book and, and watching full animation. Uh, and, and with some of the strengths and weaknesses of, of each side, uh, it has some animation, uh, not as much as, say, a full uh, cartoon might. Uh, it has full voice, uh, sound effects. It feels, to my mind, it feels more like watching animation than reading a comic simply because you're not reading words. Uh, and that was actually something we felt was fairly crucial for this. We had talked about a variety of different possibilities for these cutscenes. 
but ultimately felt that uh, uh, the the choice that led us most feasibly reach the goal we had of, of how much story we wanted to tell in these was this sort of middle uh, middle of the road approach, uh, not nearly as time consuming and expensive as full animation, which means we get to do more of them, uh, but more not quite as passive. Uh, sorry, not the right word. Not quite as sort of static as just looking at a panel. But uh, we've seen that work exceptionally well in recent games, where you don't have to have the full-blown um, Old Republic style of animation throughout when you're doing your quests. You can have something that's far more stylish, and it can work really, really well. The other thing that the motion comic approach let us do is use uh, real Marvel artists uh, for this project, whereas if it had been animation... We wouldn't have been able to get guys like Ron Lim, for instance, who did, uh, who's working on a number of our motion comics. Uh, anybody who read comics in the 80s and 90s is certainly going to recognize his name. He's also done recent work on some of the Hulk titles. Uh, so he, he certainly, uh, there's a, a fan favorite guy. We've got other, other folks from the Marvel, the larger Marvel stable of artists who were able to work on uh, the motion comics with us. Get Humberto Ramos. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be talking to uh, preaching to the choir on that one yeah, with yeah. Uh, our art director he's a huge huge fan of him get him for some Spider-Man cutscenes okay <laughs> if, if we could we would the oh. problem of course that we have is that they tend to be a bit busy drawing the current Marvel comics screw it he can take a couple of months <laughs> off and work on this it'll be worth yeah. it the, the great again the, the double-edged sword of working directly with Marvel it's great we get access to their artists uh, it's terrible. We get access to the artists that they don't desperately need to work on something right now. Yeah, really. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, Marvel publishes a lot of comics. Yeah, you don't yeah. say. And they also have a lot of plans for a lot of artists. So uh, yeah, yeah. No, so, I mean it's we, a balancing act. Yeah, yeah. We've we've got a lot of of, um, of great guys in there, and and you know I think it's going to feel very very much Marvel style when you see it. I mean, if anyone who is 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 wondering about the motion comic style. Um, Marvel did a couple of their own, um, and you can look at them. Uh, the Iron Man Extremis motion comic is out there. I think there's an Astonishing X-Men motion comic. Uh, and then Bendis, of course, was actually one of the sort of pioneers on it um, because he did uh, the Spider-Woman uh, Agent of Sword, I think, uh, storyline was done as a motion comic. So you can see those, and you get the idea. You know, we've got full voiceover, uh, sound effects, um, and, you know, limited animation, you know, which really does make it pretty unique you know it's not it's not full animation but it isn't it isn't like a digital comic style either and I, I think it fits the game really really well i was really excited to find out that the guardians of the galaxy were going to be in the game they're among my favorite characters can we expect to see now with them involved certain missions and quests taking place off of earth as well it's certainly a possibility uh we have lots of stories that we want to tell with this game. Uh, as we alluded to earlier, we'd like to keep telling additional stories for, for years to come. Uh, I don't want to give away uh, any specific plans this early, but uh, there are, let's just say there are a number of Guardians of the Galaxy fans here in the studio. And Marvel, as you can tell, are obviously moving in that direction. Yeah. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy is definitely... Um, uh, I don't know whether they they call it their biggest, but it, it's a it's they hope it's going to be a whole new franchise. So um, so yeah, uh, I'm sure that they they want us to pull in that direction too. Excellent. And we've heard a lot about how Brian Michael Bendis is involved in the game. So in terms of the overall uh, 
storyline and how it came together. Uh, Andy, can you give us an idea of how the process worked along with him? Sure. He was actually involved in the project even before I was uh, and, and has been involved with Marvel games before this one as well. He, he's a big fan of moving the Marvel property into the gaming arena. Uh, it has been for quite some time. Uh, so they had him aboard. They, I guess they were bringing him aboard, finalizing it just as I was interviewing. Uh, between the time that they called me to come down for an interview and I was actually in the studio, I think that was the time frame that they had him actually signing uh, paperwork. I think, uh, it's, I think it might be my fault too because I remember <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, I know that sounds like, like, I'm, like I'm to blame, but uh, Jeff Lind, who's our executive producer, came to me one day when you know the team was still relatively small and they were just still looking at very big picture stuff and he was like, so if I had to ask you which Marvel writer we should approach about trying to do the overall story for the game, who would it be? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about the guy who's really been an architect of the Marvel Universe for the past six, seven years... Um, this being two years ago, I was like, you really want to go with Bendis? And, and he was like, okay. And then he goes away and he comes back and he's like, is there anyone else? <laughs> he's, kind of, he's, he's kind of busy. He's, he's got a lot of stuff on. And, he's got again, 16 titles he's writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Bendis, if there's one thing that uh, seems to be apparent is that he has the capacity to write infinite amounts of words in, in any period of time. So I believe he finds hours in the day that others of us have not discovered. Yeah. Creates his own like pocket dimension or something. We're talking about <laughs> right? Yeah, so one of one of the, the my very earliest meetings uh, here uh, working for the company was one of his visits to the studio, where I handed him uh, the story document that thankfully I, I had not written had been written by somebody else, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, no, we're not going to do this." <laughs> <laughs> And you know, we then started riffing on that idea and built up this elaborate structure that we've continued to prune and hone and polish uh, over the last couple of years uh, with you know, pretty much daily emails, phone conversations and such back and forth between the two of us and regular visits by him to the studio as well. He's coming in this week, but sadly yeah. I'm not, not going to be here. So He'll be here on Wednesday. My stuff will have to be signed when I'm back in the office, and so is he. Yeah, just leave the stuff on my desk. I'll take care of it. <laughs> now, when you're talking about, though, working with Bendis, yeah, he's a phenomenal comic book writer, but writing for games is an entirely different beast. Um, like, Andy, what is your background? Are you primarily a, a fiction writer or a comic book writer or a quest writer for games? Uh, my background is in tabletop game design. Oh, with, sweet. Uh, Primarily uh, role-playing games. I worked on Dungeons and & Dragons and other RPGs <laughs> for about a dozen years. Well, you've got fans here. <laughs> yes, you do. Awesome. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, so I, I come from a combination of game design and story design perspective. Uh, also, I've been a dungeon master in my home games for 30-plus years now, so I feel like <laughs> I have uh, a certain... Uh, background of experience in weaving complex storylines for people to experience. I love that that can be job experience on your resume. Dungeon Absolutely. Master, 10 years yes. running. <laughs> it came up in interviews when yeah. I went out, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, Nate, what are your relevant job experiences? Well, I've been a Dungeon Master for 30 years, and I've been reading comics since I was five. How does that work? Good enough. Good, you're hired. <laughs> Woohoo! They all told me I was wasting my time. <laughs> in that case, I got a resume for you. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs studying? Uh, 
I've forgotten where we started this question. How the the difference of working with a comic book writer would then work and translate to writing games. Well, I think that's that's where having people with different backgrounds really helps because I can bring the okay. Remember what the needs of the game player are, right? They're coming off of this scene before they're gonna have this fight before they watch this scene, and you know they're gonna this, that, and the other thing. And, and he can be coming at it from, well, we're going to write this scene, and it's got to be tight. Uh, if the dialogue's got to be compelling. Uh, you know, the action has to make sense. He's got, he can be looking at it from that perspective. So put the two of those heads together, uh, and then we get something that is a blend between the two. Uh, I work on the in-game dialogue with my writing team, and then he reviews it to make sure, yeah, that does sound like Spider-Man, which totally made the day of uh, one of my writers. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> gets to sign off on your Spider-Man dialogue. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so having that back and forth with our different backgrounds, I think w- was actually ideal. If we were coming from too much of a similar place, uh, then whichever flaws either one of us were bringing wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have been shown. Well, you got the, the potential too of bringing something completely unique to the table because of it as well. Exactly. That sort of blend of different voices is crucial uh, in any project, but particularly something with as many sprawling tentacles as, as a game like this does. Like that really helps. Now, working with Bendis is cool, but have you guys thought about or have you discussed working with some of maybe our other favorite writers, uh, bringing them into maybe later on down the line or anything like that? That's Wait. a lot. Is, is Brian going to hear this? Because I would want to be talking about it. Hey, he did no, his part. Of course, we would. We would never date anyone else. <laughs> I'm. I. I heard the rumor that Dan Slott's going to be stopping Spider-Man potentially at 700. He's going to have some free time. Yeah. There's right, your we Spider-Man DLC. Yes, we better lock him up. Probably. I would pay for that shit, <laughs> not, not just a little. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we will. Let's get to launch, and then we'll figure out, uh, you know, whether whether it's something that Brian wants to continue working on. Because good God, he's got like sixteen TV shows in addition to yep. all his his comic books. He keeps, uh, he keeps he's, got, he's got a family. Uh, he teaches classes in comic book writing. Uh, I mean. Well, that's the advantage, yeah. though, of bringing in other writers as well. Not only are you then giving the opportunity to other writers to work on it, but you're keeping the game fresh and something that, you know, you're you're bound to bring in other gamers that maybe Brian uh, Bendis isn't their favorite kind of thing, whereas, holy crap, you're bringing in this guy. I love the story arc he did in this series. I want to try this. Yeah. The key is to make everybody involved in the project, uh, and this sounds a little trite, but everybody needs to feel special. Right, uh, right. You, you don't want to overwhelm. It's like, yeah, let's get eighteen Marvel writers all working at the same time, because then no, none of them really get to feel like this is their project. Yeah, uh, I think that. So that's that's important. Is find out. Okay, what's what's the voice? Say we're going to do uh, expansion content of of some sort later on, and if somebody decides, hey, we really want to do something that's got a cool Spider-Man theme, then then yeah, we want to be looking at at guys who have uh, a good good ear for that Spider-Man voice. Same if we were going to do something. Uh, really, say we're going to do some Guardians of the Galaxy content. I'd be like, well, you know, there's a couple of guys that know these characters really well. Maybe we should be talking to them. Uh, I think that's that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. 
one of the things in comics that I'm a big fan of is alternate realities. Uh, can we perhaps look forward to seeing the ultimate universe or even something like the Age of Apocalypse popping up in the game? Well, it's interesting that um, you mentioned that. I mean, the, the probably the most frequently asked question that I got at San Diego Comic-Con, and I'm sure Andy got as well, was, was how are you going to explain or, or how come, you know, everybody can run around as Spider-Man at the same time? And um, it's... Uh, you know, if you ask me, you know, as you know, our overall arching plot. I mean, we haven't talked about it too much, but you know, Doctor Doom has gotten his hands on the cosmic cube, and you know, then weird stuff proceeds to happen. You know, um, and uh, so you could argue that we have all of the alternate universes together in one game because you'll see like the movie costume of Iron Man running around next to you know Captain America from the, from the classic comic, and you know, Spider Man from the Future Foundation. You know, so. We'll, we'll be mixing and matching in a lot of different ways. Yeah, we, we get the freedom to really create our own universe here. Uh, we, we don't have to feel beholden to the the current state of, of any particular continuity, and, and in fact couldn't, right? That would be uh, yes. mind-bogglingly yeah. impossible to, to pull off. Yeah. Uh, so instead, we get to pick and choose and create our own version of the Marvel Universe that highlights specific elements from throughout the continuity and maybe has some elements a little further off to the side, right? We know that at its heart we have to be a game that appeals not just to the diehard Marvel fans that all of us are, but uh, also to the people maybe who've only seen uh, a few Marvel movies or who are coming to this as action RPG fans and say, oh yeah, I love Diablo, I love Torchlight, let me play that with superheroes, that sounds like fun too. Uh, so we're a blend of all of those things. We're going to get to show off, uh, as Stephen mentioned, costumes from movies, costumes from alternate timelines, dark futures, ancient pasts. Uh, are we going to have some storylines that touch on those? Yeah, entirely possible. We were just talking about uh, something earlier today. It's like, oh, maybe we could you know, have the, draw from that one story with that one guy who goes through time, and you know, he could grab things. and So... And we, we also um, have a remarkable freedom. Yeah, we actually have the ability to do um, our own alternate costumes at some point. And I mean, at this point, honestly, we're we're kind of, you know, we're we're, uh, we're spoilt for choice for most of these main characters because many of them have been around for decades, if not the entire length of, of Marvel's history. So you know, even even someone like the Thing has got a whole bunch of different looks. It's amazing what you can do with a pair of pants. Um, <laughs> so. Or, or the Hulk, for example, you know, even if you just go through, um, you know, shades of, of green or, uh, I'm joking. Oh, the that. Planet Hulk armor. We yeah, have that. I saw that, yeah. oh, yeah. I saw so, that in the video. Oh. That was awesome. Oh. And then, you know, there's a distinct difference between, you know, the movie-style Hulk and the classic-style Hulk, and it's not just the color of the pants. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot there, but, you know, I'm looking forward to the day when we get to really do alternate costumes and, and do something uh, kind of different and, you know, get to make our mark on the... Uh, the Marvel Universe, you know, and I mean, what we do, I think we'd all, we all dream about is the possibility of something that we make up in the game ending up in the comics. That would, that would be the uh, ultimate vindication, I think. No kidding. Well, see, when you're talking about the alternate realities and things like that, too, I mean, Marvel set that up in their comic books just by putting a portal there that you can take to go into the Ultimates universe that they've got now going on with Spider-Man and then some other things like with the Age of Apocalypse. So in terms of being able to set up, you know, whether it's daily missions or, or in-game quests that are, you know, later on DLC or something like that, you can set up that 
pocket little dimension that you can send your Spider-Man through to be questing with, you know, Miles Morales' Spider-Man in Ultimate Comic Spider-Man. And just, I mean, the thought of that makes me giggle. Or have the X-Men going through and going into the Age of Apocalypse to fight the Wolverine in that universe. Like, the possibilities are endless for you guys to play with. Absolutely. The, the challenge is not uh, coming up with a justification to do these things, but finding the right way to do them. Uh, because you know, there's, there's always the pressure of, of do everything all at once and throw it all in there as fast as we can. Uh, but that doesn't tend to lead to very good uh, execution on things. So there have been several times where I've actually been the guy saying, well, guys, let's slow down. <laughs> let, let, let's save that and it, don't just throw it in there as, as an Easter egg. Let's, let's do that right, right? Let's, let's take that alternate timeline and save it for some event down the line or uh, a big splashy release of a bunch of costumes or something well, like that. Well, that's good to hear, though. That, that yeah. means you're giving it the, the, the attention it actually deserves. Yeah, I, I'm a, a firm believer in when you have faith in your product uh, and when you have faith in a, in a game like this, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in doing things at the right pace. Don't throw stuff away because you're going to regret it later when you go, oh, we could have done that better. Uh, right? You don't want to save things forever, but do things the right way, uh, and people will appreciate that. Any chance we could see some playable villains in the game instead of just the heroes? Uh, let's say you are not the first person <laughs> to ask this. <laughs> I would imagine not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kill for some kingpin action. I think playable villains would be a, an awesome part of the game. Uh, it's not something we've discussed much uh, for a launch, uh, so don't, don't hold your breath for that. But is it something we'd like to get to? Heck yeah. <laughs> If, if nothing else, it would stop the arguments that I have to get into with people who go, Magneto isn't a villain. I'm like, yeah, really? well, sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. You know, in our game, he is. He you know, always he's is. someone you end up fighting. Whether you define that as a villain or not, that's up to you. So if you could add any storyline from the comics into the game, what would be your so-called dream event to add in? Ooh, wow, now that's a toughie. Talking to guys who have been reading these comics for a long time. We've, uh, we've, I, I've got a long list too. So <laughs> the, the interesting thing is is framing some of the storylines in gameplay terms, like um, and without saying too much. We've we've had conversations around certain storylines that go, well, that would really fit well as a blah, you know. But you know, we can't really talk about it. Um, I'm trying to. I mean, for me, it would have to be one of the giant, you know, big mega events, you know, like Siege or Secret Invasion or Civil War or something like that. Dark and Phoenix. obviously those are, the, those are the most recent ones. The one that I came to early on, which I'm kind of a fan of from back in the day, is um, the Kree-Skrull War um, yes. right. sort of storylines, um, which would be cool, you know, out in space and, you know, everyone can wear fishbowl helmets and, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun, and uh, you know, there's a, that that storyline in particular has been revisited many different ways, um, you know, in many different places, um, and I just think it's it's uh, that classic sort of story of Avengers going out into space and finding guys, you know. Um, I still kind of hope that'll happen in the movie at some point, but we'll see. I, I can definitely think of one that we don't have plans to put in anytime soon, and that's the uh, Spider-Man clone saga. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You could make the argument that we already have. In some 
You put in one more day, and I swear that's it. I'm canceling my subscription. I'm done with you wiping my hands of it. Uh, I, I, I don't have any intention to bring Gwen Stacy back to life. Let's put it that way. Um, wow, yeah. That, I mean, the list is so long, right? I mean, we, and we've been through this exercise so many times. Right? What are storylines would be great to have in? Uh, Age of Apocalypse is great. Pre-Scroll War, I want to do something with Ultron, Uh, you know, Loki's a great villain, Red Skull's a great villain, Uh, Magneto's a great villain, Uh, Thanos is obviously a great villain that has come (laughs) to much more attention recently. Uh, The list of things we could do, uh, I mean, it's it's 50 years long and counting, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's almost ridiculous, really. Like, you know, even right now, like, um, with Avengers vs. X-Men, you know, it's like, well, there you go. Like, I was reading the issue, you know, the, the, the AVX issues, and I'm like, this almost reads like a video game. It's just like fight after fight after yeah. fight. You know? <laughs> and then they have a whole separate miniseries, which is basically called The Fights That We Couldn't Put in the Main Series. You know? There wasn't enough fighting in the fighting series. Here's another fighting series for you. Yeah, yes. <laughs> bonus extra fights um, to answer all those fanboy questions of who would win in a fight between X and X. Uh, so, you know... That's the other thing is that we, it's not like Marvel is static and, and stuck in time, right? So they're planning, you know, the next two years or whatever of storylines. Again, we knew, I'm sure Andy knew before me, but, you know, we were talking about Marvel now as an initiative before um, that really went public officially. And, and you know, um, even on the extremely basic level, we were looking at it going, oh, look, there's costume redesigns for, you know, Thor and Hulk and these <laughs> guys, um, which is great for us. But, you know, the, then the... The wider implications of that, of the changes that they're the, the making, and Bendis is a really big part of, um, are exciting for us to be able to potentially reflect in the game, you know, as well. So, um, yeah, we have 50 years of history to, to draw from and, and a never-ending, continuing storyline, really, as long as people continue to buy comics. The real challenge here, frankly, is uh, are the arguments between people who grew up in different decades of Marvel. <laughs> right. Right. I mean... There are some of us uh, who are, are verging on fogey status uh, who fondly remember the late 70s and 80s as our heyday of Marvel. And then, of course, there are some of the, the young punks who are like, no, 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 it's got to be, you know, it's got to be all Venom and Cable and 90s stuff. Like, oh, whippersnapper. <laughs> Gee, that sounds like something I'd say to Vince. <laughs> when have I ever asked for more Cable in anything? We have Cable. <laughs> See, the thing is, is you're talking to three guys here that we each love writing. We love writing in games. We love, we love comic books. And this game here takes all of that, puts it together. So all of a sudden, our brains are going ballistic, saying, oh, my God, what would I put in? There's so many things. So well, I, I guarantee we will disappoint you. I, I find it hard to believe from what I've seen so far. I'm really hoping that's not the case. With that, we're actually going to cut it out. We've been going for a little while here. You gentlemen have been quite courteous and, and shooting the shit with us about this. Thank you very, very much for taking the time to, to talk about this with us. You're very welcome. What are some of the uh, new things coming out that people should be looking for? Where are you going to well, be? What's going on? We we are you know rampant towards the launch right now, as we like to say in the games industry. So you know we're, we're building up um, slowly but surely. Um, we'd certainly encourage everybody um, come come find us on our Facebook page. Uh, I'm, we're updating that pretty pretty regularly, which is at facebook.com/slash Marvel Heroes, and obviously MarvelHeroes.com is the website. And that'll lead you to Twitter and uh, and YouTube and, and, and even Google Plus, whichever social media you like to uh, you like to hang out with. Um, and the next kind of big thing for us is uh, PAX. We're going to be at PAX. We're going to have our own booth there. Um, we'll be hanging out and uh, we'll be that, doing a panel there as well. That's in Seattle on Liberty Weekend. 
and then we'll be at New York Comic Con as well in October, I think that is. Um, probably in the Marvel booth there um, and showing off some more stuff there as well. And Stephen is fantastic on his Twitter to get back to you if you have any questions as well. <laughs> I don't know if you actually want to give it out or not, but I know that... It, it, That's fine. You um, are fantastic at, to deal with on Twitter. Yeah, at, at RockJaw is, is my Twitter handle. Um, and and uh, yeah, it's very nice of you to say that, although that only happens when, you know... I'm not getting completely bombarded. If I'm getting completely bombarded, my response time might slow down. But. Your response time slowing down is still a lot faster than a lot of other companies, <laughs> I assure you. It's very, very true. <laughs> well, it's the, you know, it's the great thing about it. I can answer it pretty much anywhere, whether I'm you know, standing in line at the airport, you know, I can answer tweets. So. Or sitting on the crapper, as we've discussed. Not that, not that I would do that. <laughs> Once again, gentlemen, thank you very much. We are so looking forward to it, and wish you the best of luck with the game as well. Thanks, Thanks a lot. All yes, right. Thank you very, very much. Listen to you. He back. Temporarily. Only when it pleases him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Heck up on me for old time's sake. I well it's it's part of the fun. Oh dude. I need to lay down. Lunch on some Cheetos or something. <laughs> You, you need some cheesy poofs, is that That's what you're what saying? I yes, I do. I need to sit down, have my little pillow on my stomach, and then I have some cheesy poofs, and then they get all on my shirt. And then I just lick my shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just don't get the orange dust on the iPad. That doesn't work. You have to actually... You can't lick it. you got to suck it. So, no. No, not on the iPad. Proof that Roger is slowly approaching the deep end. Yeah, well. You don't walk gingerly into that. You dive right in. You know what? Trust me. I've interviewed people with <laughs> far worse. worse. <laughs> I've had co-hosts with worse, far Joe. worse. Yeah. Shed it. <laughs> so I'll be the guy with the English accent today. Yep. That I was expecting. Or at least vaguely English. I met an English guy over the weekend and he told me I stand more Australian than English. And I was like, I have to work on that. <laughs> I have yeah, to punch you in the face now. Guess. It's not going to happen. And also I want to point out that most, most Americans haven't met any Australians because they sound... Here's what it is. Anyone that sounds like they maybe have an English accent but sounds a little different, we just love all oh, of you in New Australia. Australia. <laughs> oh, that, you must yeah. Please, I can't go through an episode without somebody mocking me for apparently my Canadian accent, so don't feel bad. It's a wonderful Canadian accent. I don't have an accent. <laughs> See, typical American. <laughs> all right, give us a... This is Stephen Reed and Andy Collins, and you're listening to For the Lore, please. This is Stephen Reed. We can oh, plan it a little bit further. No, I assume he'd say his <laughs> own name. Apparently, he doesn't want to. 